I love it. I, that's funny. I said I love it a lot, right? Put a little love in your heart. I mean, is this not, you know, it's okay to have fun at church. And it is, what a great way to start. I, w- I want to counter something that Becca said. I want you to know that I am so excited about the weather coming. Just, yes. Thank you. Several of us. Um, I was on my walk this morning, and I'm thinking about the sledding that I'm hoping I'm going to get to do. As I left the house, I told our son, he was maybe still in bed, and I said, "Um, we get to sled this week, son, I think. So you need to know that if it doesn't happen the way they're predicting, I'm going to be devastated. Um, (laughs) This is, uh, this is how I've lived my life um, in this part of the country, right? I grew up in the mountains back in the 70s and 80s, and so the weather, it, it just, it warms my heart, ironically. Um, but so just wanted to say that. But also on my walk, I started thinking about, here I am, I'm excited, I'm hoping I'm going to get to sled, I'm thinking I went to the grocery store on Friday, um, <laughs> See, because I believe there should be a fast pass lane during days like today where you go, I was already going to the grocery store and I'm not here because I'm in a panic and you should be able to go right through. That's my opinion. That is not pertinent to what we're talking about today. That's just additional information. But I was thinking about here I am. I'm excited. I'm hoping I'm going to get sled. I'm hoping, you know, I'll spend time by the fireplace and all this. And then I was like, yeah, Brooke, you got it pretty good. That these upcoming days are going to be life-threatening for some people because they don't have homes, because they don't have food. And I don't know if y'all are aware of this, um, Knox County this year is piloting warming shelters, not just downtown Knoxville, but both in North Knox County and in East and in South and in West. And Cokes Ferry United Methodist Church contacted us about coming alongside with them in providing warming shelters for folks, our neighbors who don't have homes, who don't have shelters. And we went to a training last week, and it was really profound for me. Like, I knew it, but I was just reminded on a new level. And the trainer kept saying, what we are doing is we're going to be trying to keep people alive. I was like, whoa. Like, yeah, like I knew that, but on a whole nother level. So it's the both end of what's getting ready to happen. So at Cokesbury, we will have 25 um, places for 25 persons. Whenever the weather is 20, the temperature will be 25 degrees or below. I don't know, as Becca said, I don't know if you've looked, but that's going to be several nights coming up. If you will please be in prayer um, for these warming shelters and for the folks who will join us. If you are interested and you hadn't heard about it, just email me at bhartman at concordunited.org and I'd love to connect you with the opportunity. We've had incredible signups um, for people to be present. Another thing, um, this place looked a lot different yesterday. There were no chairs at all in here. It was, we had, we moved through 40,000 pounds 
of sweet potatoes yesterday morning. In two hours, we bagged them. There was approximately 150 persons here who made it happen in the energy in this room, just part of Mission Blitz. It is, I remember when I, I was, they were talking to me about the possibility of coming to Concord and I was watching or stalking, whatever that language is, what goes on here. And it was one of, Mission Blitz was one of those things. I was like, I want to be a part of a place who does things like that. I want to be a part of a church who's engaged. And, um, and it's what we're talking about. It's, it's what our focus of our series is that we're currently in. And it's loving others the art of welcoming. And those examples that I just gave, whether it's we're going to be welcoming folks in out of the cold weather, whether it's that we provided sweet potatoes, really cool. One of the fun things I got to do yesterday was there was a young man, I think he's upper age elementary. He wanted to know where the potatoes were going. And I love that. Like, I'm just not going to pack the bag. I want to know where they're going. And so I got to take them outside and show them how we put we group the sweet potato bags in parking spaces and there's a sign that says what organization or church is coming to pick those up and we'll distribute those. It was just really too cool to be able to see. It's just we're not just packing bags. Those bags go, each of those bags will go to a family of some sort. And it will provide not only nourishment, but hopefully them just knowing that someone's provided something for them, they will experience love. So the uh, loving others, the art of welcoming, it, it's not just for a specific time or place, it is a way of being. And how we are, how we love others. Like when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. And then he said, in the second, like he didn't go, period. I mean, there was a period, but he kept going. He said, the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And last week we talked about this loving yourself. We live in a cultural trend of self-care and I'm all about self-care. I'm all about resting and exercising and eating healthy. I love to hike, I consider that part of it. But, but that, this loving ourselves, loving ourselves is about, it, it is found, what is foundational to it? is knowing that we're loved by God. Foundational to it is that it's God's love is the foundation. God's love is the foundation. First John 4, 19 says that God loved us first. Oftentimes we think we've got to get all cleaned up. We've got to do the whole checklist. And then we can appear before God and God, God, I am all fixed now. Will you love me? That's not true. God says, I just love you because you're mine. You are my beloved sons and daughters, and I love you. And God's love is unconditional. When we see the word love, we use love a lot in our culture. Like, I love hot sauce. I love my husband. I love the Appalachian State Mountaineers. Like, those, I, I do, I love all those things. But that, the love is different. And when we see the word love in scripture, that, I, that love has been translated from other words of the original language of scripture. And love can mean the romantic love, or it can mean brotherly love, Philly. Like, Philadelphia is known as the city of brotherly love. love. Good job. 
Any Eagles fans in the room? Is today the day? All right. Yes. Maybe you're not playing in negative five degree weather. I don't know. But that, that's a form of love. But this love that we're going to read about and we are talking about is what's called agape love. Agape love. It's unconditional. God loves us unconditionally. And it, it is so hard for us to comprehend because truth is most of our relationships have some form of conditions to them. God's love is grace-filled. We can't earn it. We don't earn it. But yet we sometimes feel like we've got to. It's grace-filled. And then God's love is forgiving. And that is the foundation. That is the foundation of loving. So when we say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and, and love your neighbor as yourself, the love comes from God first. We are incapable of creating that love out of ourselves. It is rooted in the foundation that we are loved by God. We talked about loving ourselves last week, not in this, oh, look at me, aren't I great, but in this way of accepting and owning the part about how loved we are by God. And what you're going to see as we walk through this series, and if this is your first time with us, and we talk about series, don't go, well, I blew it, I missed it last week. No, it's okay. And if you're like, I don't know if I'm going to be here the next couple of weeks, that's okay, but I just want to give you a little preview is we are, it's like we're scaffolding this. We're saying foundation is God's love for us and the, that we love ourselves with that unconditional love and that grace and that forgiveness. And then we love others out of that. And today we're gonna be talking about loving our families. Okay, when I just said that, some of y'all are like, yes! And others of you are like, Really? I don't know if I'd have come today. Because the concept of family is we, we make it out like it's great and it's wonderful and it is and each and every one of us have been part of at least one if not multiple families in our lives. And yet there is harm that is done within our families. Sometimes unintentionally, sometimes intentionally. So as we walk through this conversation about families, let's start it by talking a little bit about families. I did a little research. The average family in the United States of America in 2021 was made up of 3.13 people. You're like, whoa, either we're above average or you're below average. And this is the definition that is given for family according to that. The, the statistics. It's a group of two or more people related by birth, marriage, adoption, or residing together. Like that is one way that we define ourselves. But what we know is our families are very diverse. Our families at times look a certain way and due to death or divorce, other, other estrangements, that they don't look that way anymore and they may not be the 3.13. As a family of three, I want you to know I got very excited. We're, we're like average, right? But yet even people with our family will say, is he your only child? And you're like, yeah, he's our one and only child. When we saw the movie Inside Out, <laughs> oh, we, we have like, a, we call it Inside Out because that's what we used to, anyways, Inside Out. The family is three people. 
It's a mom and a dad and one child. And like I watched and I was like, oh, wow, that's us. Look, there we are. But yet our families look diverse and different. And there are those families of origin, those families we are born into, and we don't choose them. It wasn't like we're like, hey, that one looks pretty good in East Tennessee. Can I take that one? That's not how it works. So there are part of it, some of our family that we, we don't choose. And, then, and I learned that to be called our family of origin. And then there are those people, those relationships that we're close to and close in that are our family of choice. We are all part of a family. Some we choose, some we don't. But so in, I'm going to use the language as we talk about loving our families today. I'm going to encourage you to think of that in this way. Loving the people closest to us. Who is that for you? Could be the people in your house. Could be folks you work with. Could be a group, friend group, some other way. But that's, I want to give that context to what family means in this, as we talk through this. We're going to read some scripture about what it means to love. And this is the point where I go, we have a Bible reading plan. And some of you all hear us say that every week. And you're like, here comes the advertisement. But what I want you to know is there is someone hopefully here for the first time today that doesn't know we have a Bible reading plan or joined us online and doesn't know it. Or that there is someone who's been sitting here and going, I'm never going to do that. And then they're like, wait, today is the day. And that's why we continue to communicate about it is because you can find at our information center a Bible reading plan that has daily readings related to what we talk about on Sundays. And you can get that either there or at concordunana.org slash Bible. And we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 13. And some of you all know this. Some of y'all may have had this read at your wedding. Love is patient, love is kind, correct? We didn't at ours because I was like, that's what everybody's doing and we're not doing it. I'm a rebel from way back. (laughs) What's interesting, so this is a, this is Paul, the great missionary, speaking, he's writing to the church at Corinth. It's a church that he planted and he's writing to the church. And this is why he's writing, Paul doesn't doesn't just write people to say, oh, what's going on? He always has a purpose. And his purpose for writing to the church at Corinth is that within their church, there are some people that believe they are superior to other people. Can you imagine that? That some people would think they are more superior to others. And that is what this letter is about. N.T. Wright talks about how actually 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are more like a symphony. That chapter 12 is the first movement of the symphony that he is writing to us. And then the 13th chapter is the second movement. And the 14th chapter is the third movement. When we talk in a couple of weeks about loving our church, we will talk about chapter 12. That will be the scripture that we're in. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians 13. Here we go. I have to find my place. All right. 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to start with the fourth verse. Listen to what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never ends. Love, agape love, that love which God chose us. Now, if we back up a couple of verses, Paul tells us something about faith and love, and it is important for us to look at. It actually starts at the very end of the 12th chapter, and it says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Don't you want to know the most excellent way? He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing nothing. It's a pretty interesting concept that we can have faith and not love. A.W. Tozer is this author from the 20th century, the theologian that I just love to read. And so I was reading his stuff and I'm like, man, this is good stuff. And I did a little research about him. And he would spend hours upon hours a day like I'm reading about I'm like wow if only I had all those hours to do that and then I read about how his relationships with his wife and his kids were not good at all because he wasn't present He was focused on this faith part. Like we know those people who can quote scripture like crazy and it's beautiful. And then we see how they treat people and we go, what is going on here? And what Paul reminds us is that we can have faith. But if we don't love, we we don't have anything. That this whole loving within our relationships is incredibly important. What we see in the scripture when we look at love being patient and kind, not keeping score, what we see here is this love is Jesus. If you're looking to read scripture, read some of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John this week. Read it and read it and go, okay, how does Jesus love? Take that question to scripture and see how Jesus loves I am not sure I have ever read that Jesus is passive aggressive. (laughs) Laughter is a sign of understanding. Because I can be passive aggressive. Some would say just flat out aggressive. You know, I look at that about love being patient and kind, and I look at Jesus and I go, you remember that whole, what would Jesus do? Some of y'all may remember that. It was, it, there were bracelets and necklaces, all this stuff about what would Jesus do? How would Jesus love? How does Jesus love? And how do we take that into our closest relationships in love? Like Jesus. 
it is something important for us to consider. So what I want you to do is we're going to put the list of the characteristics of love again. And what I want you to do is I'm going to read through them again. And I want you to think, which is the one on here that kind of gives you the knot in the stomach? Or who that you read it and you go, I'm pretty good on a lot of them. It's okay if I don't do that one. I want you to look at it. Let's go through this. Patient, kind, rejoice in truth, not envying, not boastful, not proud, not dishonoring of others, not self-seeking, not easily angered, does not keep record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, never fails. Love never fails. When you think about your closest relationships, what if those up there just makes you go, ugh, I'd like to do anything but that. I'm telling you, this series is wearing me out in the most beautiful way. I am realizing the depths of how I can be unlovable to others. And about what does that look like in my life? What does it look like in our lives to truly love others out of the depths of how much we are loved by God? And if you're like, I don't even know where to begin, begin in prayer. Prayer prepares us and it sustains us. If you hadn't gotten on your knees recently and confessed to God, maybe it's time to do that. Maybe it is time to go, God, I, I, I have not been loving to those closest to me. This is how, these are examples. God already knows, and remember, he loves you. He loves you unconditionally, grace-filled, and forgiving. And go, God, I, I'm just gonna lay, lay this at your feet, and I need your help. And that we keep coming back to God, going, God, open my eyes. God, the, and be, but be careful when you pray it because you're going to start to be aware of things. And we don't do it. We go, oh, I'm so bad because I do this. I go, gosh, I'm the beloved daughter of Jesus Christ and I am going to love out of his love for me. And we don't take these huge leaps. What we do is we take small next steps not large leaps in loving those closest to us. Sometimes it's the small stuff that adds up, that we start those small steps of loving those closest to us. We have had multiple funerals over the past weeks and past couple of months. And one of the things that is such a gift that we get to do is we walk with families through the final days of a loved one's life and those days immediately after and to come is we get to hear stories. And I'm getting ready to tell, share a story that has come to us in conversation. We have full permission. In fact, the family wants us to use names. They said, no, use names. Pinky Jeanette's funeral was a couple of days ago, and her husband, who had, has already deceased, John Jeanette, was married before he was married to Pinky. He had four kids from that first marriage. 
And after the divorce, he didn't have much to do with his kids' lives. He provided for them. But yet, it wasn't this day-to-day interaction, and there was much harm that was done in that. His daughter, Robin Porter, was, is one of those four children and one of his daughters. And she has written about it, and so I'm going to use quotes because I want to honor what she said. She said that the empty, she talks about the empty space during that time that only a father could fill for a child. I was an adult before I truly came to know her father. It was then through lives changed by Jesus Christ that we managed to sew together the gap for those years spent apart. John ended up going to Promise Keeper event in the mid-90s, and it changed him. He became aware. He repented of how he had come up short as a father. And he began to change how he was loving his kids. What Robin says is what he did was fall before God and cry out with all that burdened his heart. His eyes were opened by the Holy Spirit and he responded. He never looked back as far as she could tell. He then set about proving to us his love was solid and trustworthy. It wasn't that he didn't love his kids. He just didn't realize the importance of the day stuff. Robin says that she spent a lot of years angry with him for this because I thought he should have instinctively have known. Daddy loved so big and so full in those remaining years that I often forgot he had once felt so far from me. I never think back on his life without thanking God for the blessing of grace and forgiveness in this lesson of redeeming the wasted years lived out for me by my daddy. If only we could all humble ourselves and offer this to each other. All our stories don't end up that way. There are many of us sitting in this room that our our stories with those closest to us don't necessarily look like this. And it is a beautiful reminder of the power of surrendering ourselves before God, confessing where we come up short in our relationships of loving those closest to us and saying, God, show me what's next. And I'll be honest, there are times in those relationships closest to me that what's next for me may be starting with, I stop talking negatively about the people. Maybe that's where you start. What does it look like in our lives to live out this loving others and it is inconvenient and it is uncomfortable and it is so our God. Our God is uncomfortable and inconvenient because it shatters. He shatters the cultural trends and he encourages us, he commands us to love others. Where do you need to be intentional this week? That's what we suggest. That this week you prayerfully consider, you identify what is one person and one action I can take to love those closest to me, being patient and kind, not keeping score, not boasting, not being envious, always protecting, always persevering, and never ending, because that's our love, that's the love of our God. Will you take that step? The small step, the small next step of loving others. 
as we go into prayer, what I'll ask you to do if you feel comfortable, or maybe if it feels a little uncomfortable. As we bow our heads, will you open your palms in a way to offer up and to receive? Let us pray. Oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, we come to you and we confess this loving other sounds really good and it is really hard in practice. We hold to your truth that you love us first. And it is out of the depths of your love that we love others, those closest to us. We offer up those ways in our lives that just, uh, it just hurts beyond belief, Lord, of how either we've not been loved or how we have not loved others. We offer that up to you in this moment. And then we ask you to lead us. What's the next step? What's the next step of loving others? Lord, may we be found faithful to you. May we give you all honor and glory. And may we leave this place with the assurance that we have been with you and that you go with us each step of the way as we seek to love others out of your love for us into your hands. May your will, not our will, be done. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.